produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am crew. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced, even, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen. Online and ready. And welcome to another ep- issue. Almost episode. Issue. Remember, we have issues. Welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio. Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. Uh, Thursday 1.0 is still in the works. We're still trying to figure out but the bugs on 2.0. Coming shortly. <laughs> but uh, real quick, check out the homepage, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Down the right-hand side is our sponsors, affiliates, our website store which um working on a spider-man jersey for far from home at this point in time working on a captain marvel jersey more i guess for in-game when that comes out because i don't think they're gonna the designs could get finalized in time before captain marvel comes out mm-hmm. um but uh stay tuned for some new news coming probably being announcing on social media about a potential partnership with a great company that does does a lot of stuff with geek culture. So you have seen their products on Amazon, on at Target is where I, a lot of their stuff is. Definitely their wallets and lanyards and luggage tags and stuff like that. You also see it over at SuperheroStuff.com, who's one of our affiliates, who they're actually going to be, this company is going to be talking to them about helping set up a special code for us with them. Ah, so membership has its privileges. Check that out. So uh, more on that as it gets finalized, um, but that's in the works. But this first story is Eric's fault because he brought it to our attention, and I, I screamed so loud. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Um, because I knew, I, I immediately thought of you when I saw it. I was kind of like, Mike is going to want to do this so hard. Yeah. I'm going to have to get Hulu now. I am going to have to get Hulu. And what is it that could actually bring Mike to forking over the money for Hulu each month? Um, Well, coming from a bevy of creators such as, well, not such as, including Kevin Smith, Patton Oswalt and Chelsea Handler. We're getting the characters Modoc, Hit Monkey, Tigra, Dazzler, and animated on Hulu. Oh wait, yep. wait, I forgot one. The master of Quack Foo himself. <laughs> Howard the Duck. Affleck. <laughs> um 
and I and I noticed, and I noticed right after, right after wow, echo, uh, right after this announcement, Comicology, I guess with Marvel's permission, four new books that you could get from the free comics list. But it's like a, if you if you have an account for Comicology, mm-hmm. let me get to it. Once you're logged in, go to browse free comics. Right now, the list is something like 100, 122 items, and they rotate out books. Well, Marvel added to the free books that you could get um, Howard the Duck, number one, from the 76-79 run. Avengers Icons, Tigra, from 2002. Hit Monkey, number one of three, which now I'm going to go back and get the other <laughs> other two issues <laughs> of Hit Monkey. Uh, and Super Villain Team Up. Modox 11, number one of five, which coincides with the fact that the offenders are coming to Hulu. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, at the television critics press tour Monday morning, Hulu announced four new television animated series are on the way. Marvel's Modoc, Marvel's Hit Monkey, which I'm excited for Hit Monkey. Modoc, I could go either way, but I'll probably watch it. Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler Show, which is an interesting team up. And Marvel's Howard the Duck. Consider me sold. And I'll- I just. I- I just got to ask the question. What were y'all smoking when y'all came up with these four characters? Five, That's all I, mean, I want to know. The four shows? Because it's five yeah. characters, four shows. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was there just like, was it like a shuffling the deck of like cards against humanity and just dealing out? <laughs> well, I got Hip Monkey over here and, uh, well, I paired up uh, Tiger and Dazzler. Ah, heck with it. Somebody will watch it. <laughs> I, I, I there, there, it's just an opportunity for a lot of wrong. That's yeah. what it is. There's well, going to be a lot of wrong going on. Well, Hit Monkey, there were actually four issues. There was a Hit Monkey one shot, and then the three issue mini that all came out uh, 2010, I believe. Yeah, all uh, 2010. I'm, I'm getting, I'm going to be going after Hit Monkey. This looks like a cool book, and it's in the obscure, just like what I like. Obscure is is like saying somebody struck by lightning is feeling under the weather. That the word just yep. doesn't quite do it justice. Um, <laughs> In case anyone's wondering, these other three, you get issue one of three for free. The other three, the one shot, and then and issue two and three are $1.99 each. Which are great pickups. Very strong pickups. And the uh, supervillain, there is a team-ups collection uh, that's got all five. And the other four are also $1.99 each. But, you know, MODOK, I'm not, again, I'll probably watch the series. This isn't a book really I'd, I'd read. Howard, yes. Hit Monkey is a yes. <laughs> but to, to continue on, uh, as I'm, I'm now, sorry, I need a towel to wipe up the drool. Um, Marvel's Hit Monkey, wait, yeah, I'll, I'll start here first. Marvel's Hit Monkey tells the tale of a wronged Japanese snow monkey. <laughs> Is that Japanese monkey ease? I don't know. Oh my God. <laughs> Kiss your mother with that mouth. You've gone mental. Oh. Um, <laughs> hey, it could be worse. Uh, I could. Be ta- I could be taking a twist on Spike Lee's Black Klansman and say I'm a Jewish guy trying to penetrate the Black Panthers that, that, and using uh, Kylan as my as my <laughs> go between. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call the movie Kosher Panther. 
Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh. Either that or we find out that um, Wakanda is actually a Jewish African state and they were all kosher panther to begin with. Oh my gosh. Oh. No, I think the words I'm looking here for is Oy vey! <laughs> we're all Kovecta over here. Um, a Spitzen over here. Come on. Yeah. So, um, tells Hit Monkey tells the tale of a wrong Japanese snow monkey mentored by the ghost of an American assassin as he cuts a wide swath through Tokyo through the Tokyo underworld in this darkly cinematic and brutally funny revenge saga. Uh, it comes from the the actual comic comes from writers Josh Gordon, Will Speck. Um, with uh, actually it comes from the writers Josh Gordon, Will Speck. I, I don't think they did anything with the original comic. With Gordon Speck and Jeff Loeb all serving as executive producers. Now, Marvel's MODOK. MODOK is a egomaniacal supervillain with a really big head and a really little body. Now all I can go back to is meet the Robinsons. <laughs> big head, little bones. Um, <laughs> and he struggles to main control, maintain control of his evil organization and his demanding family. Marvel's Modoc comes from the writers Jordan Blum and Patton Oswalt, with Patton with uh, Oswalt Blum and Jeff Lieb serving as executive producers. Um, in Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler, uh, in Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler show, two woke superheroes and best friends, Tigra and Dazzler, fight for recognition among powered people who make up 8 million stories in Los Angeles. Uh, Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler comes from writers Erica Rivinoha and Chelsea Handler, with Erica Handler and Jeff Jeff Lieb serving as executive producers. Now, saving the best for last. Mm-hmm. And I so much want to play the theme here. So so Howard the Duck, like I said, best for last. Uh, trapped in a world he never made, America's favorite fighting foul. Howard the Duck hopes to return home with the help of his unstoppable gal pal Beverly before the evil Dr. Bong can turn him the crispiest dish on the menu. Marvel's Howard the Duck comes from writers Kevin Smith and Dave Willis, with Smith, Willis, and Jeff Lieb serving as executive producers. Um, and and finally, as if nobody asked them to, uh, and the world might be better off if they didn't, but Modoc, Dazzler, Tiger, Hitmonkey, and Howard the Duck are all forced to team up in order to save the world and certain parts of the universe in Marvel's Offenders. Jeff Lieb serves as executive producer, while writers and additional executive producers for the project will be announced at a later point. Um, so, to finish off this press release, essentially, a giant head, a monkey, a tiger lady, a disco queen, and the duck. Brought together because no one else could but Marvel Television on Hulu. Modoc, Hitmonkey, Tiger and Dazzler, and Howard the Duck will form a team no one asked for, the Offenders. And wait until you see who the team leader is. Oh, Lord. No. You, you know, so many I, I'm calling it here. now. I'm calling it now. Squirrel girl. Tom Brevoort remembers our interview, and I asked him when the Razorback miniseries is coming out. You think Razorback will be leading this group? If he does, because remember, Marvel Television's under Marvel Entertainment control, which would be Brevoort could mm-hmm. be involved because it's not Marvel Studios. If nope. Razor, if Razorback becomes leader, then. 
or is in this series, I'm going to say leader, then that's that would almost be a direct feed to us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And if so, Tom, if you're listening, I want a Mighty Marvel Geeks logo somewhere on a billboard in the background. No, we don't even need we don't even need the logo. Just a flying VW bus in the background. That yeah. Too. That too. That's it. So now, just a hella bus in the background. That would be awesome. Now, after all of this was said, uh, after the announcement, um, Hulu exec Greg Erwich had this to say, which was most interesting. Marvel has tons of titles where we'd be interested in. It's kind of it kind of just depends on when they're ready and who, most importantly, is going to be behind these things. So securing this announcement, which Hulu already has with Marvel Runaways, which is a great series. Um, it, it's going to be a question of when Netflix would sign off on such a deal um, to, you know, because they're still, you know, Lieb is still executive producing all content under Marvel Television, which is a subdivision of Marvel Entertainment. So likely still, he'll still be involved with these shows should they arrive at Hulu. Uh, the big question is whether Netflix will sign off on such a deal. Despite Marvel shows getting canceled, there are still plans for Netflix to, to continue streaming these shows in coming years. So, in my opinion, if they're canceled once Disney Plus comes out and definitely undercuts... Um, Netflix, what's the point in keeping them on the show or on the, on the streaming service? Daredevil and all that would waste two years, gets the Hulu tag and which could be edited out and put on and then thrown over on, on Hulu. Or they just drop the Netflix tag, just leave it a Netflix production, small little tag, you know, tagline in the opening credits, which could be re-edited and then throw it on Hulu. They could do something. It depends on what those, uh, contracts look like, you know? True. Yeah. This is true too. So, um, so yeah. But uh, show that is returning in May. I cannot wait for. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you copy that hot lips? <laughs> See, when, when I saw that on Twitter, I was like, okay, which way do we go for the show title this week? Hot Lips or Kosher Panther? It's Kosher Panther for the win. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I'm feeling Kosher Panther. Hey, Hot Lips, it's Kosher Panther. Hot Lips. <laughs> There's the show title right there. Hey, Hot Lips, Kosher Panther. Oh, my word. Oh, oh my. Well, yeah, I, now let's uh, just move on from there. So, um... <laughs> So yeah, so we are getting uh, the sixth season of Agents of Shield. Uh, it looks like this is going to be happening in May. Um, and on top of that, there's a bit of a time jump. Uh, about a year is what they're saying. So this well, yeah, is which, about which makes sense since it's been about a year from the the end of the last season. That's true. Which you know, I, I wonder exactly how does that figure in with uh, Endgame? Like how much time has has there been? In between Infinity War and Endgame, I would think it would be almost instantaneous, maybe hours, uh, maybe hours or days. Uh, that, that, that's going to be interesting to see because uh, you know the last we saw, uh, the attack on New York was happening, right? And when once uh, once the series ended, the attack was happening, and they were saying we were saying goodbye to Agent Coulson. He and Agent May were getting uh, dropped off in the real life Tahiti. Um, and so, so, uh, you know, the thing is, and, uh, 
it's believed that you know Agents of Shield uh, was um, made it made a summer series for at least for this series because of how everything is connected, and it'll be really it, it would put a serious crimp in what they're able to write for the show if it were going on between between Infinity War and Endgame. If you if you notice, we really don't have any. There's no, uh, I mean, there's no shields, no no Marvel stuff going on because even Ant Man and the Wasp was what uh, it was after Civil War. Yeah, it's between Civil War and Infinity War. And Infinity War, except for the end credit, you know. So, well, I think it all leads up. I mean, Ant Man and Wasp. I, th- I believe it's taking place during some of the time and actions of Infinity War. Is the it- the end of it? Is. E- well, I think even going into the quantum realm and everything that is too. You think so? That's taking place during the same time period. Okay. Or or right as the movie's starting. Right. I mean, because there was. I mean, because you know Scott gets his. Uh, basically, he served his time, and you know he's starting the company, and everything seems fine and good. Uh, so, because I don't know exactly how much time has lapsed between the end of the movie and right. the end credit, so so I could see that all kind of being about the same time, yeah, or close. Because um, there is so that, and you know, that's the thing. And so it's going to be interesting to see what I guess how how has the past year affected the team? Because uh, Fitz is still out in space, you know, so they're still trying to search for. Fits. Uh, they've gone a year without Colson at this point. Um, and I guess there's a question, and this is something that will be answered in uh, Endgame, I believe, is has S.H.I.E.L.D. been re, uh, reinstated? Because, okay. uh, I mean, from, there, there were some things in the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. trailer that kind of makes it look like that they're no longer underground. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, plus on top of that, I mean, at least it doesn't look like that they're no longer in the playground. I could be wrong, though. Okay. Yeah, so so that's going to be there's there's still plenty of questions, uh, a lot of unanswered questions. So the only thing that we know for sure is we know that Colson is gone. Uh, There's a one-year time jump, and Matt is definitely in charge. So that's where we are. Okay. Sounds interesting oh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome to see i guess how the all with everything that's going on how does it affect team yeah for better or worse but that teaser trailer though off twitter Uh, for for valentine's day mm -hmm. it's got you going okay well what's the deal with colson yes especially when you see the the hollow the the hologram shield pop up and daisy's Mm -hmm. look of wait that's colson that's a colson thing and you're supposedly not Colson, right? So, and, and see, I don't know where no, because whoever the character is says he doesn't know who Colson is. But I, I'm starting to question: Is ten episodes enough for this season? Uh, 
Okay. Uh, all right. I'm just going to jump in right here and just, just point out that in practically every season prior to this one, we ha- we have asked the question, have there been too many episodes in a season? True. And uh, now we're asking, there's not enough? I, well, first season definitely had too many. Second season, I was okay with. Third season was kind of a stretch because they, they were still continuing the whole uh, Inhumans thing for a little too long. Season four with the pods was amazing. Mm-hmm. And and carried just right. Last season with the pods, I thought carried just right. right. The only one that I complained that there was too too many episodes was season one. At least me, I was okay with everything else. Okay, I I I I'm one of those I'm one of those fans where the, the I want all I want all of the uh, all the episodes. I want as many episodes they want to give. Um, the only problem for me was that there were definitely some episodes in season one there were definitely felt like filler episodes yeah yeah but um but overall i would uh, give me as much shield as you can as you can handle because i'll take it off just speaking freely <laughs> so um well you're not the only one speaking freely and it is valentine's <laughs> day as we we saw from the shield trailer um, yeah Valentine's Day, it's it's kind of where you it brings out the goofiness in people, and um, it, it case in point, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Am I pronouncing that right? I, I, so. I, I don't I don't watch his movies. I think it's Jake. Gyllenhaal. Yes, I think yes, I, I said that. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, there was some fun had on the set of of Spider Man Far From Home because. Uh, you know, he shared a video on Instagram where, uh, you know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man was clearly talking, but you couldn't hear it. You just heard music over it and uh, was presented with the caption, love is in the hair. Hashtag happy Valentine's Day. And and of course, Holland responded with happy Valentine's Day, boo. And we're all just it, some people are taking this it, it, as as love, I, I just see this. I see this kind of like in the the thing of a of a bromance, kind of like what you had with James Gunn and um, Michael Rooker. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, that was that was definitely an MCU bromance right there. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was. yeah. But I, I tell you, the uh, the romantic relationship I'm looking forward to seeing in Far From Home is Aunt May and Happy Hogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will definitely be mainly so yeah. I can just point. At Hogan and say, you lucky son of a you-know-what. Hey, that will be a happy May. That will be a happy Hogan. It's true, too. <laughs> oh, now, the look it, on Pete's face. Yeah. Would, would that, would, if he brings her something, would those be May flowers? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Only if there were pilgrims inside them. Okay. <laughs> now, it, it's funny because at uh, last year's uh, a convention in Brazil, uh, Holland teased that Spider-Man and Mysterio, Hall's character, were emerging as quote unquote brothers in arms. But there's there's a problem here. Anybody who's read Spider-Man comics knows Mysterio is a bad guy. Right. So I'm thinking we're I, I really think that we're seeing something similar to the Spider-Man from the PlayStation game. Oh yeah. Where you see Doc Ock a start off as a good guy. 
Could be interesting. And the kind of the kind of good guy you really want to root for. Yeah, I've I've said this I've said this before here on the show, but I it's it's almost like you know he's a bad guy. So you start the game thinking, okay, when's he gonna turn? When's he gonna turn? When's he gonna go bad? And uh, and, and but you can't help it. You start rooting for him. Mm-hmm, you do. So when when you see setback after setback and after setback, and you see him fight through it, fight through it, remain positive. He's like he's he's such a good guy. And you, by by the time he finally does snap and go bad, it's it's almost emotional. It's kind of like no, you were such a great good guy. Yes. Yeah. And I just I wonder if we're not going to see something here in in something similar. I think that uh, I mean, but see, something like that makes for really good writing, too, because, I mean, if you look at um, like uh, uh, like going back to Black Panther, like there were some there were there were some redeeming qualities to Killmonger. Yeah. Like and and that made it that made it really difficult cuz you're like, you know, if you did A instead of B, I I could follow you 100% of the way, you know? But I guess all good villains that's sort of like what they do, you know, and the the scene like the scene where Doc turns. Yeah. It's 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 gut-wrenching, you know? It is so good. And I'll give you I'll give you another I'll give you another example baron mordo from doctor strange yes because i mean you had you know mordo was pretty much his mentor yeah he he was his mentor he was his friend he was the one fighting alongside of him and then he just he's kind of like this is too much this is this is you've gone too far Mm -hmm. and basically he just comes like this it's a radical assessment right but you can kind of see his logic you know where the gears are turning that brings him there yeah oh yeah it's hard it, it, it's hard to accept that yeah you know as as the viewer as a part as a member of the audience yeah but but you you know because you can see it like so yeah. you can understand it but you know where it leads and what the the end result is going to be mm-hmm. right so there you go. We'll see what happens when the movie comes out. Yep. Mm. Question is, will they be seeing Blue Bayou? <laughs> uh, not for that movie, but they they may for one that is uh, about the film later on this year. Uh, and if you're wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about the working title for marvel's black widow uh the working title is blue bayou uh and um blue bayou for those of you who need a history musical history lesson i guess uh was a song that was actually written by uh roy orbison uh, written and performed by roy orbison originally but the version that's most popular was uh performed by linda rodstadt uh which actually got gained her two grammy nominations back in 1977 um one for record of the year and also one for best pop vocal performance and it peaked at number three on billboard's billboard's hot 100 uh chart so so yeah so you know they movies love their working titles because like uh star wars a new hope was blue milk is that it uh i don't remember i know return of the jedi was blue harvest so so yeah so they, they they i don't know why they do this but 
it. The thing is, we know the movie is going to be made. We know that it's getting ready to be filmed. But so the working title is Blue Harvest. I mean, Blue Bayou, which is a good song, by the way. Um, uh, so and it says here that with filming uh, to start overseas, I believe it's going to be London specifically. Uh, the production is heading to Pinewood Studios uh, in Ivor Heath, uh, Buckinghamshire. And that's the same studio that they used for parts of Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, so the director has been confirmed to be Kate Shortland, uh, and Robert Hardy is the director of photography. Um, and so, uh, so um, now there's also uh, Brad Winterbaum, who, along with all the uh, usual usual Marvel bosses on these productions, Kevin Feige, Louis Desposito, and Victoria Alonso. Brad Winterbaum is also a producer, and he was uh, the vice president of production and development uh, at Marvel Studios, and he had received uh, producer credit on Ant-Man and Thor Ragnarok. Um, so now here is a brief synopsis. So at least according to the production synopsis, Black Widow is a prequel set between 2005 and 2006, which basically places it just prior to Iron Man, which was in 2008. Um, and here is a direct quote. Uh, it says, uh, at birth, the Black Widow, a.k.a. Natasha Romanoff, is given to the KGB, which rooms her to become its ultimate operative. When the USSR breaks up, the government tries to kill her as the action moves to present-day New York, where she is a freelance operative. The standalone film will find Romanov living in the United States 15 years after the fall of the Soviet Union. Interesting. So, so that kind of gives you a brief uh, understanding, I guess, of what to expect with this movie. I think it's going to be really action-packed and a long time coming. I can't wait. That's all i got to say about that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You're supposed to sound like Tom Hanks when you say that. Yeah, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, really? Okay, I'm going to start talking about all the different kinds of uh, shrimp now. <laughs> Would you? I'd, I'd like that. I'm kind of hungry at the moment. <laughs> you, you know. I, I have a seafood allergy, though, so, you know. Oh, no. It's okay. But you know, life is like a box of chocolates. They're all ruined after the first bite. Oh my gosh. Well, that, um, <laughs> that too. Yeah, I'm not hungry anymore. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? We need some breaking news, guys. Yeah, I'm just telling yes. you. We need some breaking news. And this, we, we obviously are recording on uh, Valentine's Day, as if you couldn't get the idea from earlier conversations. Um, breaking today was a, uh, Oh, Lord, can we even I, I don't know where to begin with this because it, it's just something that's so out of left field that you when you first see it, you think whiskey tango foxtrot. What are you smoking, Marvel? <laughs> but the more you start thinking about it and God help you if you start thinking about it, because it will start making sense. Yeah. All right. A new comic series has been announced written by Jerry Duggan and art by Mike Deodato. Uh, Jerry Duggan is, is uh, quoted as, as telling Entertainment Weekly, quote, this is an unsanctioned team of heroes. It has to be something that visually makes sense to you, and I think it does. Okay. The, the title is called Savage Avengers. 
Okay. And the cover features Wolverine, who you kind of expect with, with the word like Savage Avengers. Yep. Electra. Yep. Punisher. Yep. Venom. Yep. And Conan the Barbarian. What? Because you know reasons. <laughs> so maybe this I mean, does lend credibility to that than to a Thanos time shift. Well, I, you know, it's just once I saw Conan coming back to Marvel, I just I, I got giddy because that's that's what I used to read. Is one of the first comic books I remember having as a Conan. Right. So I'm always happy to see Conan coming back into Marvel in right. any way. But according to um, according to Duggan, another reason that the comic is titled Savage Avengers is because the team's first mission is going to be taking place in the Savage Land. Interesting. Yeah. So basically, as uh, Duggan says, you know, uh, we envisioned a threat, a magical green zone where the evil wizards of Conan's world are trading spells with the hand over in Japan. Oh, crap. Yeah. Conan is on a very Conan-like mission. He's heard a tale of an amulet, so he's chasing it. And the evil magic sorcerers are doing something that would be a Marvel Avengers problem. He says, it feels like we have found some very fertile ground that is a Venn diagram between those two worlds. Let's, let's, let's unpack this for a second. Avengers, Conan, and Venn diagram. Those are three terms that you never expected to hear in the same sentence. <laughs> no. No, you would not. And uh, he keeps he he goes on to say the Marvel heroes have not quite seen the likes of Conan before, but when you turn it around and look at Conan viewing this, he's very skeptical of a lot of it because he's so anti magic. His interpretation of the Venom symbiote when he first sees it is that it must be an evil genie. At one point, Conan believes that Logan hails from somewhere called Pabst. Ah! Give him a blue ribbon for that. Yeah. He says, that's where a lot of fun comes from. Conan is a fish out of water, but everyone will come to respect the skills they're all bringing to the fight. Now, I can see Wolverine and Conan getting along quite well or trying to slash each other up. It could go either way. Okay. So it's, yeah. It it reminds me, it does kind of remind me of the What If comic. What if Conan existed in uh, modern times? Yeah, yeah. I think we that. that. And I think that may have been what, but that was like the 70s, but still. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll tell you, when, when I was reading this story, it, it got me thinking of, it, for those of you listening that have played Fallout 4 in particular, mm-hmm. there is a comic series. I mean, you have all these different comics. You have like, you know, Grognak the Barbarian, Manta Man, the Inquisitor, but there is a, a comic series called The Unstoppables, where you have some Something very similar to this lineup. Right. And, and it's just kind of like, yeah, why not? Why yeah. not? Let's have the Punisher and Gro- that Okay, I'm just going to call it, this looks like your typical role-playing game group of characters. Yeah, it yeah. does. You've got your Barbarian. Well, I can't say you have a Paladin. You have a uh, you have the Berserker. You have the the Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This, this is very much D&D with a few guns involved. Oh, what? Oh, what was that? That, uh... Okay. TSR... First word, sounds like. TSR had two other game systems. 
TSR had Boot Hill. I know Boot that. Hill. There's Spelljammer. Top Secret. Yeah. Uh, there was a Star. Was it a Star Jammer or Spelljammer? No, the, the, I think the Star the Jammer was part of it. The sci-fi one. It may okay. have been Star Jammer. They're role-playing games. Right. The ones that I remember. There was Dungeons and Dragons, Advanced yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, Marvel right. Superheroes, Marvel Superheroes Adventure Game, which was the Sega system game, Star Frontier. I have the old. I have a, the old uh, Marvel superheroes game, uh, not the video game, the the other one. Star, Front, Star Frontiers, yep. Boot Hill, Starfront. and Top Secret were the ones that I remember. Oh, there was Top Secret SI also, but yeah. Yes. Um, and then, of course, you have Buck Rogers. There was a Conan game and mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, but um, those were the role. I mean, they had other role-playing games, but those were the ones that I distinctly remember. You know, this 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 Savage Avengers lineup would go good as an old Marvel superheroes gaming group. Yeah, it would go it good. It really would. It would go good in Top Secret, too. Yeah, it would. Oh, my gosh. There would be no there'd be no finesse at all. It would just be all just wreck it. Yeah. Uh, I, could it go in? They had another one called Crime Fighters, which was based I, on 30s pulp. Yeah, I vaguely remember that, but yeah. But from there, you could choose Defender, Avenger, a Vigilante, or a Pragmat Pragmatist. <laughs> so, oh, man. yeah, I mean, I, I I can see where this this is all potentially going. Uh, it sounds sounds like a great idea. Yeah, once you get past the original Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, if you want another Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, how about this? Star Wars. Uh, Marvel's bringing back some Legends characters from Star Wars. Wow. Now, unfortunately, they're staying in the Legends realm, but after waiting patiently for 33 years, can you believe 33 years since the last series, since the yeah. original series ended? Yeah. Um, the Star Wars Comic City series from the 77 to 86 run mm-hmm. is getting a new issue with Marvel releasing Star Wars number 108, a one-shot Um so here are the details on the book before it hits the shelves on May 29th. Uh, the writer is Matthew Rosenberg. Artists are Giuseppe Carmicoli, Luke Ross, Kerry Gamil, Andrea Brocato, and more. The cover is going to be by Walter Simonson, who wow. was one of the original covers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean um, they're 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 bringing back the the old school throwback uniforms on this one. Yes, I mean it, it's it's got the full old school look to it. Yeah, uh, which is great. I just want to know: will it be printed on the same paper? Just so you could incorporate the smell when you opened it. Uh, that no, that print I, smell you know, was awesome. It was. I agree with you, but yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. No, so. A long time ago, on a spinner rack far, far away, Star Wars comics were a lot different <laughs> than they are now. With wild and intricately plotted storylines, Marvel's historic original run introduced an array of unique heroes and villains to play alongside George Lucas's incredibly popular science fantasy characters. In celebration of Marvel's 80th anniversary, this Legends-era sequel to the legendary comic book uh, to... Let me try this again. In celebration of Marvel's 80th anniversary, which this... Uh, who was it that was telling us this was like a major deal for Marvel to get the Star Wars license 
back then. Uh, was that Bob Hall? I can't remember. Might have been. Um, this Legends era sequel to legendary comic book writer Archie Goodwin's Crimson Forever reunites Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2 with Jackson, Amazia Foxtrain, Domina Tagi, and Valance the Hunter. That makes me so, so happy. Uh, all this... Because- People talk about how Jackson was like a fan favorite. Yeah, Valence the Hunter was mine. I mean, he was he was by far my favorite character out of the Star Wars comics. The only one, the only one missing in this is Crimson Jack. Yes, yes, so. who was my second favorite. Um, of course, in a galaxy threatening nostalgic roller coaster, strap yourselves in. Uh, there is a variant cover featuring artwork from Carmine Infanti. Infanti- which looks great as well. And I would consider buying this cover as well, uh, just to have the two, as long as they don't get out of hand with the variants, I I would, I would go for it. I would almost love to see, you, you remember when Hasbro did the, did the, um, Action figure two packs with a comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the characters looked like, or the the action figures had a paint scheme similar to what they were in the comics. Yeah, uh-huh. I would love to see a John Tyler Christopher action figure two pack cover with one of these original covers behind it. That comic two pack or the characters look like, or the action figures look like the comic characters. I think that'd be awesome. Give me give me Valence and Crimson Jack. Well, out of this book, how about Valence and Jackson? Heck with Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so, I kid, I kid. Yeah, actually, uh, Jackson and, and Valence would be pretty cool. Um, so, Rosenberg revealed how excited he was to work with these compelling characters that he grew up reading. Um, he goes, growing up, my older brother read Fantastic Four and X-Men, and I was still his copies when he went out. But the original Marvel Marvel Star Wars comics were the first comics I ever collected myself. Uh, I think we've talked, it's the second Marvel books I collected myself. The first one was the Spider-Man from... Uh, that was done in conjunction with uh, Electric Company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good old Galactic Book Club. Um, because those books were so important to me in developing my love of comics. I would go to the comic shop every week, dig around in the back, in the back issues, in hopes of finding, in hopes of adding another missing issue to my collection. When it all would get to be too much, my mom would take me to the local Comic-Con to find issues for me as a way of shutting me up. I'm proud to say that I have a complete run in single issues still. Uh, we are we are now planning a a raid with the Gila bus to Matthew Rosenberg's house. <laughs> so I can get those issues. Um, borrow. Borrow. That's the word you want to use. Borrow. Yeah. Permanently. No, I would not go steal. Um, I, I do have some of the original issues because I had the whole run. And then just one of those things with all the moves that something had to go. I think yeah. there might have been some water damage too that caused them to go. Oh. Oh, snap. Yeah. So, um, but I have gradually over the years gotten some here, here and there. So, um, he added, it's hard to explain now what the original series meant to me as a kid. We didn't have all these amazing video games and novels and prequels and sequels and spinoffs. There were a few novels, the Ewok movies, which you could go catch on Wookiee Radio, us talking to Eric Winger, or um, Eric Walker, sorry, who was the original Mace, Mace 
Tawari in the Ewok movies um, and these comics. And these comics gave me the impossible, the chance to spend more time with my favorite characters, which I agree. Um, I couldn't believe I could walk into a store Give them a few bucks and walk out with even more adventures of Luke, Leia, Luke, Chewie, Han, R2, and 3PO. A few bucks. He must have been grabbing like three, four issues at a time then because they were like 35 cents each back then. Well, you know, wouldn't you want to get as many as you could? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that, that one issue at a time stuff was not, no. So, um, he continues on. Being faithful to... To the amazing storytelling in the original run, but still making a comic for, mo- for the modern audience was the biggest challenge on this project. So many true comic legends worked on those books. Archie Goodwin, Roy Thomas, um, Walt Simonson, Howard Chaikin, Al Williamson, um, David Michelini, Klaus Jansen, Joe Duffy, and so many more. Um, I met at Megacon 2014, I met a guy who was an artist on this. Oh, it was Mike something. Michael something. Oh, I can't remember art at this time. Um, so it's pretty overwhelming to think about actually what they made was product of a very different time in comics. It was something modern audiences weren't really accustomed to. So why, so while it would be fun, if a little humbling to try to impersonate them, we wanted to do something a bit different, something that would appeal to the classic and modern fans alike. Uh, and then he continued with, when I came on board, I talked with my editors, Mark Pansia and Tom Groman, about trying to distill what we think would translate well and what we absolutely needed. We all agreed that the epic, that the epic scale, whirlwind pacing, the larger life characters, the easy jump into the story and over the top gorgeous art were all elements the book needed as if it was going to carry the torch of the original series. We actually called Walt Simonson. It was amazing to pick his brain about working on the classic series and the things he wanted to see going forward. Sounds like somebody we need to try and get a hold of. It was about as nervous as I've ever been going into a phone call, but Walt was kind and generous with his time. It was definitely that call that really drove home the weight of the legacy that we are carrying on in this book. Um, so, uh, while this may be the only one shot, Rosenberg still has other di- ideas he would like to explore. Um, how about a Valance the Hunter team up with Boba Fett would be brutal and badass, Rosenberg pointed out. Uh, although I think they might be better facing off. Um, the um, Amazon Foxtran and Lando book would be fun. And I know I will never hear the end of it. But I would love to write a no, 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 no. I would love to write a Jackson and Jar Jar book. And you all know you would buy it. Yes, I would buy it just to have it in the collection. Yes, yes, I would too. But it's, I, it's, it's not I a book the, I want. <laughs> I think the Valence and the and the Boba Fett one would be that would, would be, be absolutely great, that especially if it was both. If it was, they would go up against each other, yeah, and then find out, you know, then winding up having to work together. Yep. So I mean, that's that's pretty much a trope. Oh yeah, it's pretty much a stereotypical cliche, but. There's nothing necessarily wrong with a with the trope if it's done well. Yep. Well, I agree. So, well, it's about that time. Here are the picks of the week. Free. I was about to say free ice cream, but no, no, no not quite. So, uh, Eric, why don't you start us off? 
Okay, uh, my first pick of the week is Star Wars Solo, adaptation number five of seven by Robbie Thompson, Will Sliney, and Phil Noto. The Kessel Run. Han and his crew pulled off an impossible heist, but will the Empire stop them before their stolen, unrefined coaxium explodes? Or will a monster waiting in the maw prevent them from making the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs? So, Kylan, how about you next? My number one is Return of Wolverine, number five of five, brought to us by Charles Soule, Steve McNiven, and Declan Shalvey. Now that Logan has risen, how far can he fall? That's that. Okay. <laughs> they got paid by the word for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy paycheck. Mm-hmm. Well, my first pick of the week, Old Man Quill, number two. Ethan Sachs, Robert Gill, John Tyler Christopher. Uh, in the court of the Crimson King, Peter Quill returns to Earth. But a lot has changed since he was last there. As Peter reacquaints himself with the Guardians of the Galaxy, he'll find it's difficult to pick up where he left off. But they'll have to figure it out quick as a deadly enemy is closing in. And what happened to the Avengers? So what indeed, Eric, back to you. Number two picks. Okay, my second pick of the week is a number one. It is Age of X-Men Amazing Nightcrawler number one of five. Enter the Age of X-Men. From the Munich Circus to the Hollywood Boulevard, Nightcrawler is starring in his own solo series. Kurt Wagner is the biggest celebrity slash superhero since Dwayne Johnson. Juggling Kurt's responsibilities as one of the X-Men and a slate of summer blockbusters would be tough without the best support staff in the business. Stunt coordinator Magma, personal trainer Keelan, and of course, his leading lady Megan. But there's something rotten in Tinseltown. I love that they're playing up the Nightcrawler Megan angle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because in the early the early issues of Excalibur, they kind of they kind of hinted that there might be a little bit of attraction there. But. Okay. So, Kyle, you you're, you're number two. My number two is Wolverine Infinity Watch, number one of five, uh, brought to us by uh, Jerry Duggan, Andy McDonald, and Giuseppe Hamuncoli. Hamuncoli, I believe that's right. Uh, if not, come on the show and please correct us. I would appreciate it. Um, so Wolverine has finally returned, disentwined from the evil clutches of Soteria. But hang on, didn't he have an Infinity Stone? How did that happen? And wasn't he popping up all over the place for a little while? The answers you seek are finally revealed as Logan goes cosmic along alongside everyone's favorite god of lies and stories, Loki Lofason. Okay, well, my second pick of the week is from Jason Aaron and David Marquez. It's Avengers number 15. Civil War Vampire Edition. Dracula forges unholy alliances from his prison cell. Ghost Rider goes berserk. The Shadow Colonel and his new legion of the unliving raise bloody hell all over the globe. It's a good thing the Avengers just added a startling new member to the team. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming this would be Blade. Yep. Coming to the forefront. So, Eric, your final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is Doctor Strange number 11 by Mark Wade, Jesus Saiz, and Kevin Nolan. After the incredible number 400, Doc is finally face-to-face with the man who controls Earth's magic. What chance does Strange have against a foe who can literally turn Strange's spells off? Intriguing. Kylan, your final pick. 
my final pick is Shuri, number five. Uh, the, uh, brought to us by Nady Okafor, Leonardo Romero, and Sam Spratt. The two baddest gauntlet welders in the, wielders in the Marvel Universe unite. An alien creature has invaded Wakanda, and with her power strangely manuf- malfunctioning and her brother still missing, Shuri is in all is in over her head. Time for uh, time to call for backup. Enter Iron Man. But can these two tech geniuses figure out how to depower an energy sucking alien before it destroys the entire continent? Don't miss the end of the first arc and a dramatic change for the Princess of Wakanda. Okay. Well, my final pick. Um, and this week was a little bit of a hard week. Yes, there was a Star Wars title there. Uh, solo Star Wars story uh, movie adaptation. So what, number five? Five, yeah. Uh, which five of six. Um, but that's not the way I went. So, surprise, I did not go with a Star Wars book this week. I went back to something because, one, it was written by um, a, for- a guest we've had on the show. And uh, that guest would be Tom DeFalco. And it was with, he worked on this with John Ramada Jr. and Bob Larkin. It's Dazzler Number 1, the facsimile edition. Mm. She's a singer, not a fighter, but Dazzler was always destined to be one of the comic's brightest stars. Journey back to the days of disco to join Spider-Man, the Avengers, and X-Men in welcoming Allison Blair to the mighty Marvel firmament. I almost said geeks there. <laughs> well, we'd welcome here, too. Yep. So. Um, she she'd be a a bright spot in this lair. Definitely, yeah. I feel enlightened <laughs> by that statement. <laughs> um, with this impeccable facsimile of the first issue of Dazzler's sparkling solo series, Allison's mutant powers place her at a career crossroads. Can she be a singing sensation, a stellar superhero, or both? But when Allison dones her iconic roller skates. To make an important audition, will she dazzle everyone, or will the Asgardian Enchantress steal the show? It's a landmark issue of the 1980s, represented in its original form, ads and all. And oh, that's that was one of the things that caught my attention, was ads and all. Nice. So an original book with the modern with the modern paper. So uh, so let's I guess quickly head into the Marvel Unlimited pick of the week. The Marvel Unlimited pick of the week um, is inspired, as many of my picks are, by one of the stories that we have talked about earlier in the show. And uh, this comes from the Star Wars Legends one shot. Um, I said before, one of my favorite characters, or my my absolute favorite character, is uh, is Valence the Hunter, and he first appears in this week's Marvel Unlimited pick, Star Wars number sixteen, which uh, was published in uh, July of nineteen seventy eight. Written by Archie Goodwin, penciled by Walt Simonson, who also did the cover art. And this was the first issue that did not feature the original trilogy characters. Yeah. I mean, it was this was essentially the very first full-fledged expanded universe comic book. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, now the original st- the original characters they do appear in a recap sequence, but this story does not revolve around them at all, and uh, did not sit well with some readers. As a matter of fact, a few issues later, the uh, the the letter column, which was called Star Words, 
uh, was printing feedback regarding issue number 16, uh, contained one letter that read in its entirety, quote, let's have no more of this. I thought that was rather amusing, considering it's like, oh, we've got to save the EU from some fanboys nowadays. Yes. Well, let's just say Disney is looking at taking some of the legend stories and making them into movies Well, as well. I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's breaking this week. If you go back to the original statement from Lucasfilm, they basically says that we are giving our, our content creators going forward, they will have the freedom to go back and, and pull stuff from what is now considered legends. Right. We talked with Jason Aaron about that on this very show. Yep. Yep. And he said, we asked him, you know, how free are you? He says, it, it's got to be approved by the story group. Yep. And how Jackson came back, uh, even though it started off over on IDW with uh, Star Wars Adventures. Jackson's canon again. So, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, Thrawn's canon again. Right. Yep. Some of the backstory to Han Solo is canon again. And, of course, we're seeing in Han Solo, Imperial Cadet, where that story of him in the Academy is canon. So, I mean, it's it, it's going to develop more. Yeah. So, Which means there's hope for Crimson Jack yet. Yes. Uh, I would say there would be hope for maybe sh- as a trilogy from someone, Shadow of the Mind Eye. Splendor oh. of the Mind's Eye. Splendor of the Mind's Eye. Or uh, Shadow of Empire. Shadows of the Empire, yeah. Yep. Shadows of the Empire, yeah. Or the whole the whole Heir to the Empire series would be, oh, yeah. be awesome. So, I mean, that, there's a lot of possibilities here. So, um, that's going to wrap it up. I'm going to leave you all with this final thought. Um, back in October, report was Brie Lawson has signed on to do seven, seven movies, but it was never truly confirmed um, because, you know, Brie Lawson kind of quickly denied the claim. Well, it seems that Disney ha- may have such a deal lined up after all. And to continue on with Brie Lawson, she wants Miss Marvel in the sequel. Someone's been paying attention to, to how the character's been used. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's a touch. Captain Marvel, Marvel Rising, or Secret Warriors, mm-hmm. where you bring in Miss Marvel that way. And Quake. Oh, yeah. And Quake. So, um, other than that, any quick final thoughts from you guys? No. I, that is a no. All right. No. I, I Actually, I'm just... I'm curious to see, like, you know, how how old are, would they, if they do go with Ms. Marvel, how old are they going to go with her, you know? Well, I want to see him do it from from the books, where she's still like a, a Peter Parker age. Uh, so. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Which would which would chime in perfectly for, like, a Young Avengers with Captain Marvel go. at the helm. Yep. It, or a Peter Parker as lead and Captain Marvel as the S.H.I.E.L.D. mentor. Mm-hmm. But on that note, Thursday, if you would, please. The house party protocol, sir. Uh, sure. House party protocol? Uh, I, well, at least you wasn't doing the weekend at Bernie's protocol like last time. That was the clean That's- slate protocol. Do we have a do we have a owner's manual with this or anything like um, that? I think we're supposed to be writing the owner's manual as we go. Yeah. Uh-huh, they're funny. Yes, yes, everyone. Doom, 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 and doom. doom. Okay, doom for him too. Wow. 
If I had a nickel for every time I was doomed by a puppet, I'd have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice, right? Doom!